Amen? Um, and what I want to say is if you can't, stay gone. That's what I want to say. But what I probably should say is for those who struggle with that, they probably need you the most. Amen? Because we all come from somewhere. And we all lean upon the experiences from those around us, our environments, our experiences, our uh, families and friends. And that, that takes me back to what Pastor was saying about how he met me in the training uh, program. And uh, it just sparked a memory in me, one that I wished I didn't remember, but it was there. I mean, uh, just who I was back then. Um, who I was was um, an angry dude who didn't trust anybody, not even his wife sometimes. Didn't trust anybody. And I'll tell you right now, I can tell you with my whole heart, that woman's never done anything but love me. Yes. So that's my hang-up, or it was. So we were there in the training class learning the new uh, system, and uh, I was picked amongst other people to train the manufacturing floor on how to use this system. So I was part of the uh, training uh, team, if you will, and so was Keenan. And he worked at North Plant at the time, and we were in close quarters, and we had computers and everything, and we had to learn about the computers. And, and I was not a hugger. I was not a, an affectionate guy. I was not anything like that. And uh, I remember Keenan sitting next to me, and uh, we were watching uh, the computer screen, learning about stuff. And, and he put his arm around my shoulder. And this is the part I don't like talking about. My first thought was, who's this black guy trying to hug me? That was my first thought. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that at all. That was my first thought. But it didn't take long for me to just melt on that. And uh, then uh, we, we went through our training, and um, we lost touch for a little bit because he went back to North Plant, but then he got uh, hired into South Plant, and uh, there I was, still an angry dude. And uh, I knew Keenan was going to be my new boss, and I'd had many bosses before. It really didn't matter to me. So he came up, and I was trying to hold back one of my latest uh, fits of rage. And he asked me, he goes, what's going on, Mark? What are you doing? And uh, there was like, a, you know how factories have high ceilings, and they got like big windows at the top. And I just looked at him, and I honestly said, I'm, I'm trying real hard not to throw this chair through that window up there. That's who I was. That wasn't work doing that to me. That was me doing that to me. And I've talked about this uh, m many times, but it uh, bears repeating. That's when the work began. And that's when uh, Keenan slid into my life quite sneakily, if that's a word. It is today. 
And he didn't even talk to me about God until I talked to him about God. He showed me love and kindness and compassion and how to be a real man. And I knew who he was. But again, it really didn't matter to me until he started chipping away and making me realize that there are things that I needed to know that I didn't know. And there are feelings that I needed to feel that I couldn't feel. So I looked at this man who seemed to be a quite infectious character. People all around just wanted to be near him, wanted to know him, wanted to talk to him. So I'm like, what does this guy have that everybody loves so much? So I sought to find out. And here I am. Amen. So I thank you for our journey. <clears throat> so what I want to talk about today is about a year ago, I stood up before you and I did a, a message on something called transition. And uh, in, my, uh, in my message, I, I talked about how God is all about transition. God does not want you to stay where you are. He does not want, if water stays still too long, what happens? It becomes stagnant and unusable, right? It's the fact the water has to move for it to be worthy of anything good. Amen? So God's about transition. God wants you to move from here to there. Now, he'll put you in a space to stand still for a while if it benefits you, but he doesn't let you stay that way, just like the Brook of Cherith. The Brook of Cherub, Cherith dried up eventually and forced them to move along. Amen? So we need to have transition. So that's what I talked about. I gave a whole big thing about it. And uh, so what I said was, we have heard it said, if you can see it, God has already done it. He is constantly ahead of us, writing the next chapter, creating the next great work. And I walked away from that message feeling pretty good, looking forward to the next great work. This was January 2020, right? Um, there were things going on, but I felt that life was pretty good, and I was looking forward to the next great work. And who knew that by the end of, the Febu by the end of February, I would be going to Kentucky to bury my last living grandparent? So transition was starting to happen. I was losing one of my biggest role models of my life. I had lost him. And that followed by the onslaught of the COVID-19 pandemic, which brought political and civil unrest unlike anything I'd ever seen in my lifetime. So many people lost loved ones but could not give them proper funerals. I was so lucky that I was able to go down to Kentucky and have the service and the funeral because just two weeks later, the whole world shut down. So I was thankful that God gave me that time. I know not everybody got that time with their loved ones. So I'm thankful for what I was given. So the civil unrest was like anything I'd ever seen in my lifetime. So many people lost loved ones but could not give them the proper funerals. Babies were born, but family members could not be there to receive them. 
Families were divided, people were hurt and killed, and communities were burned to the ground in violent acts of anger and protest. So transition was happening. But I was longing for the January 2020. Schools and churches were shut down, and we all struggled, and we continue to struggle, to hold on to some sense of normalcy. Now I admit, through all of it, God kept me covered, and he did. I was diagnosed with COVID, but I was asymptomatic. And other, like I talked about this a couple weeks ago, other than almost running out of Doritos, I did pretty good. My wife was negative the whole time. I didn't give it to anybody that I know of, so I was very thankful for that. My uh, financial situation remained good. My job remained good. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that to say, thank you, God. You know? Thank you, God. So God kept me covered, but I still longed for this to be over. Don't you long for this to be over? Amen? I want to go to the movies, too, with a big, fat bucket of popcorn. With lots of butter. I'm not ashamed of that. Lots of butter. That's my messing up my health thing that I was talking about before. As children of God, we know that we are blessed in the beginning, for we are created in God's image. We also know that we are rewarded in the end. We know this through the sacrifice of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The question is, what is required to remain steadfast as we work our way through this world? I know you've heard it said that when... One window closes, the other window opens, but you know what it is in the hallway, right? It's hell in the hallway. So what is required for us to make it through the hallway to the next thing? What got Job through his trial? What kept Sarah and Abraham upright as they waited for that child that God promised? What kept Noah going as he built the ark and weathered the flood? As I thought about all this, apologize, two words kept coming to my mind. Those words were loyalty and faithfulness. And for the longest time, I really thought those words meant the same thing. And they are very, very similar. But what I would like to display today is explore how these two words do differ and how they apply to God, his will, in our everyday life. So I got to thinking about those two words, and I, I've asked people, I've researched it, I've looked at the dictionary definitions, and most people would tell you that loyalty and faithfulness are the same exact word, just different spellings. But I couldn't let it go. I couldn't let it go. I, I, I kept coming back to God gave weight to both of these words, so he must have intention for both of these words. Amen? So I had to figure that out. I had to figure out what those words meant, why they were different, if they were different, and what's God think about it. So it took me a while to pry apart the two words, faithfulness and loyalty. I kept just wanting to admit that they were the same word, but I just, as I said before, I couldn't let go of the idea that God had specific intentions to just have these be synonyms. 
So I had to see what differences the two words held. The spiritual definition of loyalty is God. Scripture tells us that even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Even if a believer fails, God will remain loyal. Amen? Scripture makes it clear that nothing can steal our salvation in Christ. The Word of God continually says that God will never leave us nor forsake us, and he will continue to work in us until the end. So just by hearing that, one would probably take away that the two words are the same. But what we need to remember, that in this analysis, we are holding up God to the standards of loyalty and faithfulness. God is, as the scripture says, forever loyal and forever faithful. But how do we hold up? these two words faithfulness is the concept of an unfailing unfailingly remaining loyal to someone or something and putting that loyalty into consistent practice regardless of extenuating circumstances literally it's the state of being full of faith in the sense of steady devotion to a person a thing or a concept if I am faithful to you, I am. I, I am. Uh, if I'm faithful to you, I, I am looking out for your better interest. I have your your good work in my heart, uh, regardless of the situation, whether things are good, whether things are bad, whether things, whether I'm struggling or not, whether you are failing me or not. A faithful person will come through time and time again. But loyalty implies staying with the person regardless of your behavior or the other person's, no matter what. So you or both can be loyal to each other, but not faithful. For example, when couples have an open marriage, but they are just staying together for the sake of the children. I've, I've experienced that with a lot of people that I know. They, they, they will tell me I would have been divorced a long time ago, but I'm staying together for the kids. So they are together, they are not leaving one another, but their hearts are not in each other, amen? So if you are faithful, you're gonna, your heart's going to remain with the person, and you're going to do that, you're going to share that love, you're going to be that person that always shows up. You're not going to just be a roommate for the sake of the kids. Uh, this is kind of a funny one, but... Um, you know what? I'm sorry. That one is uh, for another chapter. So loyalty implies with the person, staying with the person regardless of behavior of the other person's no matter what. So you can both be loyal to each other but not faithful. For example, couples have an open marriage but are staying single for the sake of the children. Another example is I may be a longtime member of the church with a fantastic attendance, but I don't give, myself, give of myself in any way. I may be considered loyal, but am I faithful? Amen? This is where my little funny part comes by. I, I uh, put it in the wrong spot. But um, for a long, long time since I've been in high school, I've been a loyal U of M fan. Right? 
Well, if you know anything about college football, you know that um, the Wolverines have not been holding up their end of that bargain recently. But I became a Wolverine uh, loyal fan because my friends were. That's why. So I gained that favor for the Wolverines because my buddies liked the Wolverines. And I stayed that way. Not because I had some great undying love for the Wolverines, but because I had an ulterior motive. I had to be what my friends were, and I had to, you know. But little by little, I started to actually become a devoted fan of the Wolverines. I went to the U of M baseball camp, and I saw the university experience for the first time in my life, and I fell in love with that. And uh, I, was a, I was a Wolverine from then on. Faithful. Until just a couple years ago. And I find myself getting frustrated with the, the scores and uh, the behavior of the team and everything and the coaches and all that. And here's where the loyalty died. This past year when uh, U of M was playing state and they lost to state, I found myself saying to myself, I swear if they lose one more game, I'm going to Myers and I'm buying a bunch of Michigan State gear. I didn't do it, but that's where the loyalty died right there for me. So that is bad, I know, I know. I'm sharing my heart with you. Good, bad, and ugly. So you can be loyal, but not faithful. So let's move forward. In my research, I came across this, and I thought I'd share it with you. There are three types of love that are practiced by people, and this is kind of tying in. I'm glad uh, Pastor talked about this today because it kind of ties in with him. The three types of love that are practiced by people is, and I'll call it like this, I love you if, I love you because, and I love you regardless. So let's break that down. The first one, I love you if... You love me back. I love you if you treat me well. I love you if you keep your promises. The second one, I love you because you get along with my kids. I love you because you're a good provider. And I love you because you're a good listener. And then the third one is I love you regardless. That pretty much sums that up. Amen? I love you regardless. The first two versions of love are conditional. If the foundation of your love rests in ifs or becauses, you can be loyal, but as the situation changes or shifts, your love and loyalty may as well. God's loyalty is a direct result of his faithfulness. He doesn't love if or because. He loves regardless. Amen? Amen. Uh, if you can put up uh, John 13, 33, and then 34, uh, we'll get into Scripture on that. John 13, 33. A perfect example of this illustration is in John 13. Just after Judas... Who was, 
who was thought of by all the disciples to be a true, loyal follower of Jesus, was revealed to be the one that betrayed him, he spoke to the disciples, preparing them for what was to come. And in 1333, yep, in 1333 it says, My little children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I will tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. And then he gave them the following. In 1334 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So that was faithful. Jesus knew that these disciples needed to know this. Amen? So he, was, uh, so he did the faithful thing regardless of his situation. He knew what was about to happen. He knew what he was about to go through, but he still put his disciples ahead of himself, and he took the time to teach them the new commandment because they would have been confused about this had he not. So he did a loyal act through an act of faithfulness. Amen? So Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. He was claiming loyalty. He was saying, Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. Why can't I just go now? I can't be any closer to you than I am right now. My heart, my soul, my body is with you right now. Then Jesus asked, answered, Will you really lay your life down for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So even though Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. And even though he knew that Peter would deny him upon the cross, he still took that time to make sure that the salvation promise was shored up within the disciples and that they knew what was required to be Christian men. Judas and even Peter thought of themselves as loyal disciples but their faithfulness wavered as their situation changed. Judas was pretty good until he got cornered by the priests and pressured, offered money to uh, sell out Jesus. Peter was all in until it got real. Until he saw the torture that his that his good friend and his brother was going through, and he didn't want to feel that. And a faithful, loyal man, when asked, is he not the Son of God, would say, yes, he is. Regardless of the situation, but it got too real for Peter. So Peter said, I don't know this guy. And he did that three times. And just a, a while previous 
It never entered his heart or his mind that he would ever do that. But his situation changed, so his loyalty wavered. Thankfully, Peter recovered from that, and Jesus forgave him, which is another faithful act that displays great loyalty. Amen? Jesus showed great faithfulness and loyalty by making sure the disciples truly understood how they were to serve God after Jesus had risen. And Jesus made it clear from the beginning that loyalty and faithfulness were required to truly gain the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to pull up, uh, we're going to pull up Mark 34 and then 35 on that. And in Mark 34, it reads, Jesus called the crowd to himself along with the disciples and told them, If anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me continuously, because whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. So what was he saying to the crowd? If anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself. What does that mean? That means deny everything you may think you want or know of this earthly realm. Take away your own understanding. I don't know about you, but uh, if I'm in the wrong mood, if you tell me I don't know what I'm talking about, I get pretty mad about that. But Jesus said, when it matters... Your earthly experience here is not important, right? Pick up his cross. What do we think that means? Pick up your cross is to take on the burden of being contrary to all that you know, the world. Amen? You've heard it said, this is my cross to bear. That, to me, that means that's my burden to go through. That's my thing that I need to survive. And Jesus asked us, we must deny ourselves. We must take on this burden and follow Jesus continuously. Not just till your feet hurt or you get tired or until the weekend comes but continuously, because whoever wants to save his life will lose it. If we are to become children of Christ, if we are to become saved, we have to be willing to lose all of our earthly understandings. We have to be able to say, what is of man is not of God, and I choose to follow God. Amen? Hard to do sometimes. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. In this passage, if anyone wants to be a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, he must die to his own desires and personal wishes and live for Christ alone. To commit to doing these things would require a lot of faithfulness and a lot of loyalty. These were not selfish demands put forth by Jesus, but this was the roadmap not only to be blessed a life on this earth, but the way to gain eternal life in heaven. 
So he wasn't giving these things to the people because he wanted to be a big shot on earth. He knew that this was the way to a blessed life in eternal heaven. So next I would like to uh, touch on a story that illustrates God blessing, loyalty, and faithfulness. And uh, I'm just going to read this, gals, so we won't be putting any of this on the screen. Um, it's the book of Ruth, and I struggled and I struggled and I struggled on how to illustrate the book of Ruth without just reading the book of Ruth the whole time. So I'm going to try not to do that. I tried to condense it. I tried to get the important stuff in, and I hope that my message comes through. The book of Ruth is about a family from Bethlehem and Judah. The father's name was Elimelech. The wife was Naomi, and the sons were Malon and Kilion. Due to a famine in the land, the family had to move to Moab. Now, while in Moab, Elimelech died, leaving Naomi with two sons who eventually married Ruth and Orpah. Now, this was a Jew Jewish family living in Bethlehem, and they went over to Moab, which was not a Jewish community. And it was they were not very interested in uh, the Jewish way. In fact, they were kind of contrary or hostile. It would be like uh, going to a country where you knew people didn't want you around kind of thing. So they did that. Because there was a famine in the land, they did that. And um, so then they did that, and Elimelech died leaving Naomi and these two sons who eventually married Ruth and Orpah. Fun fact, did you know that Oprah was supposed to be named Orpah and they misspelled it on the birth certificate? It's true. That, that I don't know why I know that. That one's free. After they had lived there about 10 years, both... Malon and Kilion also died. I don't know if it was a disease that killed them or if it was war or bandits or what, but all the men in this family died, leaving Naomi with the two daughter-in-laws in a foreign land. And back then, it was very important to women to have husbands and children and families, things like that. So all this stuff was getting taken away from Naomi. The husband died. The sons died. And now all she's left with is these two daughter-in-laws that aren't really her blood anyway, right? So Naomi then urged the two um, daughters to return to their families in hopes of finding new husbands, as she had no more sons to offer them. Orpah kissed Naomi and left, but Ruth refused to leave her side. So Naomi was doing what she thought was the right thing for uh, Ruth and Orpah and said, you know, go back to your families, find yourself some husbands, have some kids, live your life. I have nothing more to offer you. I'm going home. You guys go that way. Ruth clung to Naomi and uh, Ruth clung to Naomi pleading, don't urge me to leave you or turn my back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. 
May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. So it never says anything in the Bible about how Ruth may have had a problem with her family. Maybe she didn't have a family. Maybe Naomi was all she had. It never says anything about that. So I have to believe that Ruth had such a love and a loyalty for her mother-in-law, Naomi, that she chose to be by her new mother's side. So that was an act of faithfulness and loyalty. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. She's like, all right, let's go. So they went to Bethlehem, and uh, when they got to Bethlehem, Naomi felt so let down by God, she had changed her name to Mara, which means bitter. But due to the loyalty and faithfulness Ruth showed Naomi, God blessed Ruth and restored Naomi with a daughter and a new son by uniting Ruth and her new husband Boaz. So Boaz and Ruth eventually bore a son, and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. So because of that act of loyalty and faithfulness, a son was born that became into the bloodline of Jesus. Amen? I believe that Naomi was the great-great-grandmother of her, of him. So that was a story about uh, how an act, uh, how God blessed faithfulness and loyalty. Next, I want to go to Proverbs 3 through 13. And this is a proverb that illustrates the importance of loyalty and faithfulness. And in Proverbs 3, it says, Never let go of loyalty and faithfulness. Tie them around your neck and write them on your heart. This is God saying this is so important. I never want you to be separated from these things. If you do this, both God and people will be pleased with you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and never rely on what you think you know. Remember the Lord in everything you do, and he will show you the right way. Never let yourself think that you are wiser than you are. Simply obey the Lord and refuse to do wrong. That's a hard one, isn't it? I know myself, I find myself uh, being responsible for a lot of things. I need to be responsible in my job, in my finances, in my home, in this church, in my family. So when you find yourself being responsible for a lot of things, and I know we can all talk about this as adults, um, you have to let yourself have the mindset that you know what you're talking about, right? But there is a difference between wisdom and, and intelligence for sure. So never let yourself think that you're wiser than you are. and Simply obey the Lord and refuse to do wrong. If you do, it will be like good medicine, healing your wounds and easing your pains. 
Honor the Lord by, by making him an offering from the best of all that your land produces. Now that doesn't mean um, building something or putting forth a crop or a burnt offering or anything like that. I believe that means from your heart and from your time and from your energy and from your management and from your um, from all you have. Give your best. And if you do, your barns will be filled with grain and you will have too much wine to store it all. Again, I believe that's just a metaphor for um, if you do this, your joy and your blessings will be abundant and uh, you will, uh, you will uh, bear the good fruit from this. My child, when the Lord corrects you, pay close attention and take it as a warning. Again, that's a hard one. When the Lord corrects you. I'm going to tell you, looking back on it, the best moment of my life, other than being saved, was when I really realized that I did not really have it all under control. Because I was able to really just hand myself over to God at that point. Uh, because when I thought I had it all figured out, that's a lot of weight to put on someone's shoulders. So if you're carrying a lot of extra weight on your shoulders, if a lot of pressure, um, have that conversation with God. Let him know that you need him because you're not really as in control as you may seem. Amen? The Lord corrects those he loves as a parent corrects the child of whom they are proud. Happy is anyone who becomes wise, who comes to have understanding. So that was Proverbs. And as I close, what I want to take away from all this is even though loyalty and faithfulness are not the same, these two words, they need each other to provide the blessings that God intends. You can be loyal, but not faithful. However, loyal and loyalty without faithfulness is merely a marriage of convenience, likely to wither under pressure. For the faithful, loyalty is a result of faithfulness, opening the door to the blessings of God. That was my time for you today. I hope it touched somebody's heart today. Um, I enjoyed my time of research and learning. I'm happy to be able to share it with you. I thank you so much, and I love you.